Good morning, friends. Thank you, David and the band for uh, leading us in a wonderful time of worship. And these songs we've been singing, um, maybe I don't need to preach because they all uh, summarize what uh, uh, I think the Lord gave me. I would like it to share with you. The interesting thing is these guys we are not together physically when we come up with the order of the service. They, they do this and they ask for a preacher to send uh, the song after the sermon and then they just pray and uh, Paulos uh, behind the scene directing all this and they all come together. And, and with that, really, we, we thank the Lord. Please join me in a prayer. Lord, we pray that this morning you open the minds of those who have not yet come to know you. Those minds which the God of this age has blinded, preventing them from seeing the glory of your gospel. And to all of us, speak your word, for your word is truth. And as it is written, we shall know the truth, and the truth will set us free. So would you set us free at the end of hearing your word that has been read and now being proclaimed? May your Holy Spirit be very much at work. Use me as a mere vessel. And may Christ be seen and be glorified. Amen. For those who are joining us, um, we as a church have been going through a series of praying with the Psalms, praying, learning from the Psalms. And today we come to Psalm 21 with that title, Looking to Both Past and Future Glories. Can I just say right at the beginning that this psalm is one of uh, the royal psalms. And the royal psalms has um, in them uh, the king being one of the main, the main characters in, in the psalm. And this one... It focuses on the Lord whose strength has granted the king victories in the past. And it focuses on the Lord whose the same strength will defeat all the king's remaining and future enemies. Victory in the past, but there are still remaining enemies 
and the future one that might come. And the Lord's strength is at the center of granting that victory. And so without going into much details, in our own lives, as we look to both the stunning victories granted to us and to our present circumstances, as well to what are some of the battles that might still lie ahead of us, we are invited to do something. And that's why there are only two basically points in this passage I want just to walk with you through. Number one, looking back, we ought to offer a prayer of thanksgiving. Each one of us, if we look back in our lives, God has done great things and we ought to give a prayer of thanksgiving. In these first seven verses, there is something like what someone has called a folder for thanksgiving. For the king seems to be rehearsing the Lord's answer to his request and to the many blessings given along with that answer. Look at what the king does here. And this, this is King David. He rejoices in the Lord's strength. He greatly rejoices in the victory of salvation. That's verse 1, given to him. He acknowledged that his request or the desire of his heart was answered. And then he pauses and think about that as David took us in that song, sit down and be quiet and listen. He pauses. Those uh, people who do the biblical studies here, they know where the pause is coming from. And if I can just point that, that word there, Sila, that's where the pause is. He pauses to think about all that. In other words, in fact, he's saying, oh, what a mercy and a great favor to have uh, the prayer of a poor person like me to be taken notice of. I am amazed. He marveled at God's blessing in his life, that God has given him a crown and finest gold, that God has brought him through the perils and the combat of war unscaffed rather than allowing him to lose his life in battle. He marvels at uh, that God gave him more than what he asked in verse 4. I asked for life and you gave him or you gave me it to me. Life of days, but also forever and ever. He marveled that God has given him majesty and splendor eternal blessing, joys, as well as making him a channel of blessing. He recalls the security and the stability he has in God in whom he trusted, verse 7. 
that solid and firm security that is grounded in God's love. It's like one of those songs we sing here. The love of Jesus has a super glue in it. It sticks. A love that will never fade, falter, or disappear. Even when our sins are in just come and clinches our lives. In fact, verse 7, when you read it in light of other passages talking about the love of God, beg us to draw a conclusion that God's love then will keep hold of us through death into resurrection and beyond. God's love will never leave us. For as the word of God tells us from everlasting to the everlasting, the love of God is with those who fear him. What all this is telling us is something like this. That when we look back and take time to thank God, we are encouraged to do what someone has called to be Particular, particularly particular about particularizing. Let me repeat it again. To be particularly particular about particularizing. In other words, to put it differently, I like hems because sometimes they just put these things. When we take time to thank God, count your blessings, and name them one by one. And you will be surprised to see what the Lord has done. Let's face it. Sometimes this is a challenge. We tend to thank God generally. But to take time to name them one by one, I was having a chat um, with someone. I mean, I had a chat many, with many people this week, but someone who is here, actually, I want to mention the name. And, 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 and she said to me, I have the habit of counting at least five blessings every morning when I wake up. And I'm encouraging others to do that and then see what happens. That's interesting. You see, counting and naming, when you come to the Bible, that's why chapter 12 of Joshua is where it is in the Bible. Look at chapter 12. If you have your Bible, open chapter 12 of the book of Joshua. And I just want to draw your attention quickly. Don't drop where you are because we are coming back to our passage very soon. Chapter 12 of Joshua there. What do you see there in that chapter 12? Rather than just telling us that Joshua defeated 31 powerful king, chapter 12 goes on to name each one of these kings. 31 of them. It should have been easy. Summary, Joshua conquered 31 powerful king. No. 
He names them there. The Holy Spirit, who is the divine author of God's word, wants us to see some of the flavor of God's love and God's faithfulness in what he promised them in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 24, that I will give you grace to conquer kings. And here, 31 of them, naming them one by one. And in each one, there is a story of how God's faithfulness is. The text, friends, invite us some time to sit down and count our blessings. When we were in that uh, vestry room to pray, someone prayed, God, we thank you that we are alive today. Have you ever thanked the Lord that you are alive? Last night, I could not sleep well. And God was drawing me to my journey from Congo and begin to name some of these blessings. And before I left the Congo, I was in a big church which has 2,300 members. And we started with four pastors. And today, by the grace of God, I'm the only one who's still living on this side of the seashore. Why? Am I better than my three colleagues whom I dined with, went on a retreat, laughed? Student, don't take your studies for granted. When you go to say, thank God I can study, there are many people who are longing to study. Have you ever thanked God when you just woke up from the, the bedroom and go to the toilet and say, thank God I have a toilet near me? Maybe, maybe it doesn't mean a lot to you, but when I grew up, when I have to go outside, and sometime in the dark with a torch, if I have a torch. Have you ever thanked God that you have milk in your fridge? A piece of bread? Or someone whom you can text and chat to? If we begin to name one by one, we can see what we, by God's grace, have conquered. And time and again, we will be in a place where we will be able to say with Paul, Lord, I thank you that when sin abounded in my life, Grace abound even more. I know how many a time I just fall into sin and how the Lord picked me up again and again. Some of us here, our battles almost are over. And you only have a few left, very few. But some of you, you have more battle ahead. Now, whether you have few left or more ahead, I just pray this morning 
that God gives us the same grace which has been in the past in his faithfulness that we may arrive towards the end of our time and say like Paul, I fought the good fight. I finished the rest and I kept the faith. And one of the ways to keep the faith is to sing with uh, the hymn writer who say, my heart is filled with thankfulness. To him who bore my pain, who plunged the death of our disgrace and gave me life again. My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who walks beside me, who floods my weaknesses with strength and causes fear to flee, to fly. Whose every promise is enough for every step I take, sustaining me with Arms of love and crowning me with grace. My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who reigns above, whose wisdom is my perfect peace. Let me encourage church. Let us cultivate that culture in our lives to be thankful to the Lord. It's easy to thank someone and very difficult to spend 30 minutes on your knees thanking the Lord without falling into give me, give me, give me, give me. The prayer we ought to give thanks to God. Yesterday those were at the prayer meeting. Even Jesus, even Jesus said, Thank this Father, as we saw that passage. Father, I thank you because you heard me. How many times God has heard our prayers, friends? But above all, I find this thrilling. King David, as he rehearses all God's blessing in his life, he rejoices greatly in the salvation. So there is a rejoicing, but the greater rejoicing is in salvation. And I paused there, I thought, wow, every other blessings in my life can be taken away. But this is what stays there, to know Jesus. Knowing him is the greatest blessing of all. And the one who has known Jesus, therefore, has become a new creature, cannot help but overflow with joy and thanksgiving. And singing with the hymn writer, this is a song that uh, it just came to me this week. I am a new creation, no more in condemnation. Here in the grace of God I stand. Do you know that? And I will praise you, Lord. Yes, I will praise you, Lord. And I will sing for all that you have done. 
Her joy without limit. Had I thought you were going to join me here and sing that. Friends, giving thanks to the Lord will help us also lift up our mood. So in this year of prayer, let's cultivate this desire of saying, are there things which I can thank God for? As you look at the life of your brother and sister and see what God has done, Look at your age. I, I reflected a lot. My mother who conceived me, and this is Mother's Day, and uh, I could have died in, in her womb, and by God's grace, I came out. I grew up in Africa, and in Africa, the mother takes the children into the forest as they grew agriculture. My mom would just leave me there while she's plowing. And the serpent, the snake, could just come, not the snakes of uh, Scotland, which don't have poisonous, but the one of Africa, when they bite, you are gone. Can you imagine that? Think about all that. And I reflected how many accidents I had in my life and how God spared me of life. Look back and be thankful. You have a wife, a husband, a partner, a boyfriend, a girlfriend who loves you and stick with you despite of uh, being sometimes unkind to him or to her. The second one. Look ahead. We ought to pray. May your kingdom come. May your kingdom come. You see, these verses, uh, 8 to 13, we are only told that what uh, that David had had as a victory, this is just a part. And part of uh, this parcel of ongoing victories that will reach uh, its, their climax uh, in uh, the decisive and final triumph of his kingdom. But when you look at this passage, these verses, the scale of the event that will take place there outrun um, any earthly king, as verse 9 acknowledged that. Therefore, it calls out to the king of kings, the Messiah itself. To put it differently, the triumph in view in these verses 8 to 13 will take place only when the king of kings, Jesus Christ, who is the descendant of David, will appear. And that's what you see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verses 6 to 10. I wish I had time to read those verses. But Paul is taking the language from the Psalms. It's, you know, sometimes we read, we, read, we, read, we read this frightening language that we don't want to go there. But my goodness, this is what lies ahead of us that Jesus Christ, the King of kings, when he appears in glory, will put down all his and his people's enemy.
But then, what shall we do? If that's what lies ahead, we should be praying for his kingdom to come. We should be praying for his kingdom to come. Let your kingdom come. And we must realize that when we pray like that, what we are saying, that all that which opposes God, all that which attack God and God's people have to be put to silence. I grew up a, in a very traditional church, so uh, this catechism, which uh, it's old fashioned today, but they still have their places. In one of the, the catechism, it says that uh, part of uh, what we are praying when we pray, thy kingdom comes, is number one, we are asking God, destroy the devil's work. We are asking God, destroy every, for, every force which revolt against you and every conspiracy against your word. In other words, if we recognize that there is a, an element of conflict as we live this day, this will affect our living it will affect our thinking. It will affect our praying. And we can say, let your kingdom come. Now, as we pray like that, what we are saying, Lord, we recognize that if your kingdom comes, opposition Crumble. Lord, if your kingdom comes, all that which opposes you will be put to silence. Now, there are times when our persecutors, the people who persecute us, who oppose us, who oppose God's word, the Bible tells us to love them. And the way to love them, one of the ways, is to pray for them. But there are also times when uh, we, we discern that these in front of us, they're not only our enemies, but this becomes the Lord's enemy in uh, preventing his kingdom to advance either in us or through us. Then that's the time when we pray not for the enemy, but we pray against the enemy. Now, maybe this is, uh, to some of you, this is too hard, but it's a reality. It's biblical. And one time, hopefully, we shall come to what is called imprecatory psalms. Look at Psalm 35 In, at home. Look at it. And you can see how the language, they are furious to say, Lord, do something. It reminded me of a story told by James and Marty, Marty Heather in, uh, in their book, By Their Blood. 
And that's uh, before my time anyway. But the story happened in my country, in Congo. Um, the, so those, uh, yeah, that's, so you can see the democratic, I don't know how democratic it is, but anyway, that's my country of origin, Democratic Republic of Congo. And you can see there in Bunia, um, in, 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 in 1964, just after the independence, there was a group in that part of uh, the country called the Simbas, in that time which was called Belgium, Congo. They did awful atrocities. Uh, read the stories. And uh, the missionaries who were sent there had a really hard time. And one day, these Simbas entered in the church like we are praying. You see, friends, sometimes we are too cozy here. You need to be in a place where life is like that, then that will inspire your prayer. The Simbas entered in the church, and they begin to exalt their own leaders, but also hurling insult to the pastor and to the church members there. And they were heavy, heavily armed. And the pastor looked at them. He was praying inside. And then he said to a lady, lead, lead the prayer. And the lady stood up. She was also a daughter of a missionary. And as she stood up, looking at these heavy guns people, this is what her prayer was. Let me read it quickly. Lord, we ask you to help us in our hour of great need. You know that Congo is in need of you at this time. You know that we have evil men who have come into our areas recently. Many of them are thieves and murderers. They beat and kill our people for no reason. Lord, judge this evil man. Bring your wrath down on these terrible men. Put the fear of God in them. Save us from these people and bring peace and freedom once more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a prayer, isn't it? And you know what happened? As she sat down. All the Simbas left quietly, one by one. Now you may say, well, that's in that part. Others can be killed, yes. Sometimes even when we pray like that, we can be killed. They are martyrs. But you know what? Even in Revelation chapter 6, verse 10, these martyrs are crying, How long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? Will you not come and revenge our blood? There are times when we have, uh, I think David Moffitt preached it here, where we have to have uh, boldness in prayer.
not based on our own, but based in the name of the one who is above all other names. The name of Jesus. But as we anticipate the victory of Jesus when he comes, we can start the praying now to say, Lord, in our suffering, in our pain, in our persecution, even the stronghold that surrounds us, and every argument and the pretension that set itself up against the knowledge of God, Lord, let your kingdom come. This is another day, as David say, I got good news, but another day. Friends, the anger of God, the wrath of God is good news to us. And good news for us. And it is our powerful resources we have against all the flaming arrows of the evil one that comes against us. And against his church. And so, what can we do if not to join with David and his people to say, Oh Lord, be exalted in your strength. And that word be exalted can be translated, rise up. Oh Lord, in your strength. As the message puts it, show your strength, God, so that no one can miss it. Maybe it is a time, friends. I tell you, you can see my language. I'm angry against the evil one that is torturing my brothers and my sisters in Christ in this church. Sometimes I don't sleep. As I look at the face of people who are going throughout the time saying, rise up, Lord. And perhaps the cry of all is the cry of Paul. Maranatha. Come, Lord. What a jubilant song that will be that day when the people saying here, we shall sing and we shall praise you. But what a jubilant song will be when the Lord comes in his power triumphantly and hand over the kingdom to his father. And when all the enemies shall be under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Hallelujah. Are you discouraged this morning? Is your cross you are bearing seems to be too heavy? 
Are you burdened with lots of care? Are you anxious? Begin first of all to stop and just look back. Recall all the blessings from our gracious, merciful, loving God who surprise you all that he has done for you. And as you sit down and look at again all your difficulties and the circumstances perhaps lies ahead, may you look ahead with faith and hope rising up in prayer and anticipating also those further victory that God will do in your life, all for his glory and for the well-being of his people and the advancement of his kingdom. To God be the glory.